Welcome to the reading of the story of immortality from the Brahma Kumaris World Spiritual University in London. The story of immortality is the fascinating tale of a seeker whose spiritual journey is woven from the factual truth of who we are, where we're coming from, where we're headed, and what we need to do. Many new points about our spiritual journey will be revealed, so listen with an open mind until the end of the story and see yourself on this journey. It is recommended that you listen in silence and stillness so that your mind is clear and quiet. Today's reading is the continuation of Chapter 4 of the story. Today, you will be able to answer the following eight questions. 1. How do souls arrive onto the world stage with a lot of spiritual power? 2. Why do they not make effort to attain anything? And what is the double crown? 3. Why is the Silver Age called semi-heaven? What is reduced? 4. For half the cycle, how do souls live? How does their intellect gradually become weakened? 5. In the Copper Age, what does Rajopradhan mean? What happens to the intellect? 6. What happens to souls when purity is lost? How is corruption created? But what is the birthright of every soul on descent to the world stage? 7. What is the nature of souls in their Tamopradan stage? 8. What is blind faith? What and how is the level of authority demonstrated? Morning, the Golden Age the cycle of time begins with the Golden Age. The Golden Age is called Satyug. Satyug means the Age of Truth. It is also called the Land of Happiness, Heaven, Paradise, and the Garden of Allah. As well as happiness, there are also purity and peace there. This is why a lion and lamb have been shown drinking water from the same pool. At that time, 
The world is Sato Pradhan, that is, in its highest state of truth and purity. The five elements of matter are the instruments of happiness. Matter is in a state of complete purity with the highest degree of order and only truth prevails. Souls arrive onto the world stage in the Golden Age with their awakened fortune. Souls come from the home with a lot of spiritual power. This power is a result of their remembrance of God at the Confluence Age, which gradually filled them to capacity and made them soul-conscious. This accumulation of power from God brought them back to their original power of complete soul-consciousness. Their intrinsic elevated sanskars are the rewards of the study of knowledge and the inculcation of divine virtues and spiritual powers. These treasures are innate in the souls as their godly inheritance. They enter the world in their highest living form. When they first come down from the home into the elevated world, they are Sato Pradhan. Incorporeal Sato Pradhan souls enter corporeal Sato Pradhan bodies. They live by the laws of soul consciousness in harmony with the natural laws of nature. They are the souls who live by the highest codes of conduct. Their sanskars are completely viceless and their sense organs are absolutely non-violent. Their personalities are pure and divine. They are complete with all divine virtues and all celestial arts and talents. This is the original state of divinity of souls who come onto the world stage as human beings when the world is in its Satupradan stage. Because of their high stage of purity and divinity, they came to be called divine beings or deities. The soul leads a full life in the land of immortality, the Golden Age. The pure soul enters a body made of the Satopradan elements, and both the soul and the body are pure. 
the beauty is natural. The soul is ever healthy and ever wealthy, and the lifespan is long. Birth involves no pain at all, and there is no such thing as untimely death. With great happiness at the right time, the soul leaves one body and enters the womb of its next mother, and fortune continues to sparkle on the center of the forehead. In the land of truth, there is no form of falsehood. Their language is one of love. These beings whom we now call deities have a great deal of love for one another. Their way of interacting is with pure thoughts and pure feelings. And there is deep recognition through the eyes. Love and light are clearly visible in the eyes. They speak softly, sweetly, and use few words. All hearts are full, and so they do not have to make any effort there to attain anything. There are no desires and nothing is lacking. This is paradise where souls remain constantly happy, where everyone gives happiness. The deities have constant imperishable happiness. The self-sovereign deities have a double crown. One is the crown of light, which represents their high level of purity, and the other is the crown of jewels, which represents their ruling power. They are completely enlightened and wise rulers. The crown of light means that as Satopradhan self-sovereigns, their sanskars are full of the elevated, unifying principles of life called Dharma. These elevated principles are the basis of their elevated actions. Deities do not worship anyone. They do not remember God. Their religion is the highest one of nonviolence. They do not need fortresses, etc. A fortress is built for safety. There are no fortresses in the kingdom of the deities. No one is there to make war. This is called the time of peace, purity and prosperity in the world. Paradise definitely exists. It is the time when the world and its human beings are the holiest and the highest. However, just as when a building is built and at the beginning it is new and then 
After some years, it begins to show signs of wear and tear. In the same way, after playing their role for the full span of the Golden Age, there is a slight decrease in the degrees of purity and perfection for both the deities and the world. The degrees of purity within the soul diminish little by little with each rebirth. Degrees of purity in matter decrease as well. Afternoon, the Silver Age. Then the world cycle enters its second quarter, which is called the Silver Age. The Silver Age is called Treta Yug. Even though it is still the land of happiness, it is called semi-heaven, because the alloy of silver has been mixed into matter, which had been golden in its quality. There is a high degree of order, but it is not the highest, and the light of truth also reduces a little. Even though the Golden Age changes into the Silver Age, everything continues to function within the same divine system. The residents of the Silver Age have their own duties, and the exchanges and dealings are conducted with great love and respect. The Silver Age is semi-heaven, but it is still the land of happiness and it is still very entertaining. Residents of the Silver Age have no burdens. Everyone, young and old, has wisdom. They are artists, painters and musicians. The method of learning is through music, poetry and the arts. Learning is according to innate wisdom, talents and arts, and does not require expertise. Playing musical instruments is natural. As soon as the fingers touch the instruments, music is naturally played. From the beginning of the Golden Age to the end of the Silver Age, souls live for half a cycle as self-sovereigns. Then by taking rebirth, they definitely climb down the ladder and the intellect begins to weaken. Whatever power they have accumulated by connecting their intellect in yoga to the Father at the Confluence Age now finishes. By the end of the Silver Age, the intellect begins to stumble in search of its lost sovereignty. The Silver Age completes and the act changes. Evening, 
the Copper Age. The third quarter of the world cycle is the Copper Age. The Copper Age is called Dwapur Yug, which means the age of duality. The world is no longer called heaven or semi-heaven, as it enters into an era in which happiness is mixed with sorrow. It is called the land of semi-sorrow. The world is Rajopradhan, which is a middling stage of purity. That is, purity is mixed with impurity, order with disorder, and truth with falsehood. The father explains that as souls take rebirth, their purity diminishes and they gradually begin to change from pure to impure. In the Rajapradhan stage, the intellect begins to seek fulfillment through the sense organs, and the soul develops the sanskars of mixing everything. There is the mixture of soul consciousness and body consciousness. The soul-conscious eye of self-respect is mixed with the body-conscious eye of arrogance. And there is the experience of happiness and sorrow. Attachment is mixed into pure love of family life and relationships begin to give sorrow. Limited selfish desires are mixed with the natural benevolence and sense of abundance of the earlier ages. It is because there is mixture that there is heaviness. Just as pure gold becomes heavy when alloy is added. In the same way, when selfish desires are mixed with elevated directions, there is heaviness in the soul. The mind and intellect develop the habit of acting on selfish desires. Such selfish desires are controlled by illusion, ignorance and the vices, and they weaken the power of stability and concentration of the mind and intellect. The soul steps down from its self-respect and its reins of power are handed over to the senses and sense organs of body consciousness. You understand that to begin with, when the soul is pure, the actions, that is karma, and unified spiritual principles, that is dharma, are elevated. Even though actions are performed through the sense organs, there is freedom within action, which results in happiness and harmony. When purity is lost, 
the souls experience a void and emptiness. However, it is when the souls become trapped in their sense organs for attainments that these actions tie the soul in bondage and they become corrupt. The karma and the dharma are separated and the karma is now connected to illusion and ignorance. When the actions are no longer aligned with the elevated spiritual principles, there is an effect left for every action performed. Whatever right or wrong actions performed are accounted for, and the result of that right or wrong action is definitely received in the next birth. This is the law of cause and effect that begins from the Copper Age. Sages and holy men say that the soul is immune to the effects of action. However, it is the soul that has to take rebirth according to its actions, and so it cannot be immune. It is the soul that performs good and bad actions. In the Copper Age, actions become sinful because of the influence of body consciousness, and sanskars are acquired accordingly. The systems begin to change in a visible way. At the beginning of the Copper Age, the power and authority of the rulers are still great, but as time passes, both of these are gradually misused. The Father is explaining to you how the new world becomes old. Day by day, the souls continue to decline as they become trapped in the forgetfulness of body consciousness and eventually fall onto the path of sin. After falling onto the path of sin, their lifespan also reduces. Spiritual happiness vanishes and the religious founders come to establish religions and to support souls through their messages. However, souls continue to search and call out, O oh God the Father, Give us blind one's sight so that we can recognize our Father. They stumble and call out to the Father for the third eye of recognition, with which to receive salvation and to meet Him. In their search, there are many petitions created and other lands come into existence. The name and features change in different ways during the many births now on different lands. Some souls take more births than others, but all souls experience peace, purity, and happiness as their birthright, 
when they first descend onto the world stage. In the Copper Age, the soul's quality of reasoning is based on an understanding of bargaining. If I do this, then I will get that in return. Oh God, if you do that for me, then I will give you this in return. This bargaining intellect leads to a stronger consciousness of the ego and arrogance of I, and of the attachment and possessiveness of mine, and to a further descent for the soul. While saying, today and tomorrow, the golden, silver and copper ages pass, and the souls continue to become degraded from elevated. There are not as many sins at the start of the Copper Age as there are later on. Being influenced by the vices, souls are trapped and led down the path of sorrow. Human beings continue to follow the path of sorrow. Those who were once the bestowers of happiness have now become bestowers of pain and sorrow. This world, which was once heaven, has now become hell. Souls wound one another with the swords of lust, anger, attachment, ego, and greed. These five vices become such big enemies the souls come face to face with sorrow. Night, the Iron Age. The last quarter of the cycle is the Iron Age, which is also known as Kali Yug. Kali Yug is the age of total darkness and insolvency. Happiness vanishes and is replaced by sorrow this age is remembered by many different names, the sinful world, hell, and the homeland of sorrow. In its Tamapradan most degraded stage, the land is barren and old. The world reaches to its state of absolute impurity, all truth is lost, and there is only chaos. Elements of matter, that is air, water, earth, fire, and sky or ether, have gone through their golden, silver, copper, and iron stages, according to their own natural laws, and have reached their lowest stage. The stage of the whole world is in descent. There is peacelessness and sorrow throughout the whole world. People are crying out for peace and happiness. However, it is impossible for anyone to remain constantly peaceful in this age 
where there is only sorrow. The Copper Age is the land of semi-sorrow, but the Iron Age is called the land of total sorrow. Souls are in their Tamopradan stage. This stage is of complete unrighteousness and falsehood. The quality of the sanskars is of impurity and there is very little light and power left in the soul. Truth is totally forgotten and the voice of conscience is asleep. The intellect is stumbling in total darkness of ignorance. The mind is like a wild horse running at a fast speed and the heart is broken into a thousand pieces seeking fulfillment in relationships. The search for God and the truth has extended to all corners of the world. People are praying a great deal and enduring sorrow at the same time. Surrounded by the vices, even though they study matters of devotion, they continue to fall further down. People continue to worship without understanding anything. They continue to build temples to the deities without knowing their biographies. All of this is called blind faith. They worship and call out for liberation from sorrow and salvation from the world of sorrow. Relationships are tamopradan and give a lot of sorrow. There have never been so many relationships as there are at this time in the Iron Age. There is conflict and violence at all levels of life. The value for human life is at its lowest. There is no power and authority left in the rulers. It has become the rule of people by the people. Leaders are sitting on seats of uncertainty and there is very little respect. Having spent all of their wealth, people have become poverty-stricken and they call out, O oh God, O oh Father, liberate us from sorrow. Take us to our abode of peace and happiness. By wandering around for half a cycle, you wore yourself out and lost hope. Because of being ignorant as to who you really are, you picked up so much sorrow in the land of sorrow. The soul was 100% solvent, and like the degrees of the moon, its light has decreased until there is a very faint line left. It takes one month for the moon to decrease from its complete stage, that is, from being full. 
Ultimately, just a line is left. The moon does not become non-existent. The same happens to souls. But for the soul, it is a question of the whole cycle. Its light, too, is never completely extinguished. In the same way, the purity of matter has decreased, and this is causing upheaval in the form of natural calamities. Do listen next week for the continuation of the seeker's journey. Om Shanti which means I am a peaceful soul, and so I acknowledge all listeners too as peaceful souls. Om Shanti